Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time that you've set aside just for us. And I pray that uh, my friends that came out to hear what you have to say, Father, that it would be uh, just a focus on you and not anything else that's going on around us. I pray that we can let go of the cares of the day and just think about this morning uh, that we were able to wake up and find new mercy sprinkled on our pillows. And I'm just so thankful that I got to be among that number, Father. And thank you so much for my sisters and brothers, their desire to come out and, and know more about you. And I pray, Father, as always, that your word would be rightly divided. So I'm thankful for uh, the worship. I know the incense. I already smell the incense, and I know you do too, Father. So again, Father, have your way in this place, Father, and may you be glorified. Every word that we utter, every deed that we do, may it glorify you and you alone. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Well, tonight, Lord willing, uh, we're going to dig into Ezekiel chapter 2. Ezekiel 2, verses 1 through 10. I, I like to think that we can get through 10 verses, but I've seen things, and uh, it doesn't always work out like that. But Ezekiel chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. And uh, for the ones who weren't here before, and even the ones that were, and welcome to people in Pixeland as well. Um, I'm just going to restate some things that, that, uh, that we, uh, we mentioned in uh, Ezekiel chapter 1, and then we'll just flow right into chapter 2. I titled this, Ezekiel Sent to Rebellious Israel. It wasn't an original idea, but when I get to teach, I always encourage myself and you to think life application. And according to the word of God, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, or forever. And what I mean is, he tells us that anything that he can do for one of his servants, he can do for the rest. So don't think, oh, God really blessed Ezekiel in this. God has the same blessing for us as well. God has the same blessing for us as he did with Paul. God has the same blessing as he did with Daniel. God has the same blessing with Ruth, Esther, and on and on and on. So I just want us to think about if God did that for him, he'll do the same for me. And uh, as we go through, think life application. And it's so important to at least have that perspective. So I just encourage that. So the things that I want to repeat are... This book of Ezekiel is full of strange visions and symbols that are difficult to interpret. Uh, just like, uh, I would say, Revelation in this context. It is also unique in that it contains more dates than any other prophetic book in the Old Testament. The book is divided into three main sections. Judgment on Judah, chapters 1 through 24. Judgment on foreign nations, chapters 25 to 32. And hope for Israel, chapters 33 to 48. And that hope for Israel, again, as I said earlier, think life application. There's hope. He's given us a hope and a future, and he's not going to take it back. So he's given us that we can count on that. His promises are yea and amen. So we can rely on his word. We can rely on what he says. And that anytime he's begun a good work, he's going to be faithful to complete it. So be mindful of that as we go through this. He's not going to let us down. Ezekiel is the author of this book and is mentioned nowhere else in Scripture. His name means strengthened by God, which indeed he was strengthened for the prophetic ministry to which God called him. Ezekiel uses visions, prophecies, parables, signs, and symbols to proclaim the message of God to God's exiled people. In a sense, we are the exiled people now. We haven't been just thrown away and hidden off someplace, but we, our country has imploded at this point. And we need to maintain the mindset that God's got it. Oh, Satan has really taken over the world. Satan is a created being. He can do nothing without God's consent or God's willingness to give him, let him have that. Think about that, folks. Don't allow yourself to be dragged down by the fact that, oh, it's all hopeless. Woe is me, the sky has fallen. 
we still have that hope. We still have that future. Don't let go of that thought. Ezekiel and, and his wife, which was mentioned in verses, uh, chapters 24, verses 15 to 27, were among 10,000 Jews taken captive to Babylon. They lived in Tel Aviv on the bank of the Chabar River, uh, probably southeast of Babylon. Ezekiel writes of his wife's death in, ex- death in exile, but the book does not mention Ezekiel's death, which rabbinical tradition suggests occurred at the hands of an Israelite prince whose idolatry Ezekiel rebuked. We are in those days right now, folks. Uh, and, and, and as I, I was talking to some of the brothers this morning, and, and they were saying, What's going on? The world is upside down. So we don't surrender to that. We have a God. We have a God of hope. We have a God that's going to give us. We, we plan our steps. We, plan our, we have plans, but he guides our steps. And we got to be mindful of that. That's so important to know the power of prayer. And, I, and I'm just really anticipating, uh, Lord willing, next time I'm up, I'll get a chance to talk about prayer again. Because I think, so, I know so many of us, we say we believe it, we believe in prayer, but are you just, is it just lip service or do you really believe? Are you praying fervently for the things that you need? Are you praying fervently for the ones who are struggling in so many ways? And we have people around us who are struggling. Even sitting here right now, there are people in this room, self-included, that are struggling with some things. And we all are. We need to pray with each other. We need to encourage each other. And too often, we are caught up in this society who's putting emphasis on division rather than unity. We need to be prayerful. And when we pray, we don't want uh, a uh, Democrat sitting on one side of the room and whatever they are debating. We don't need that. That doesn't help anybody. See, I can't even think of the words. I don't know. Republican, thank you there, uh, Paul. (laughs) So... It's so important that we, we just focus on that. Um, Ezekiel was a contemporary of both Jeremiah and Daniel. Jeremiah was about 20 years older and Daniel was the same age. Ezekiel was both a prophet and a priest. Because of Ezekiel's priestly background, he was particularly interested in the, and familiar with the temple details. So God used him to write much about them. And God's using you. And you, and you, to do these same thing even today. How is God, what is, your, what is your mission in life right now? You are devoted to God, but to what extent? And are you honoring him? Now the word tells us that if we honor him, he'll honor us. Plain and simple. So we need to be about our father's business. And there's no time off. There's no vacation from it. There's no retirement from the word of God. We need to be firmly implanted in everything that he has for us. Well, how, brother, how do I know? The way that you know, first and foremost, is you start off by having a personal relationship with our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. If you don't have that, then you're going to flounder. You're going you're to start to waver. You need that personal relationship well, how do I know when the Lord's speaking to me? How do I know his voice? How do you know the voice of anyone that you're familiar with? You spend time with them. You get to know them. And you learn the little subtleties of their voice. And you can pick it out in a crowd. Or to pick you out in a crowd. That's how you know. You can't know him unless you spend time with him. How do I spend time with the Lord? First, My first response to that is going to be prayer. My second response is to read the word of God. Learn his heart and try your best to imitate it or to just get as close as you can. You know, he he does some things that are very challenging for us. Uh, First of all, he has a tendency to be able to wait. I don't know about you guys, but I got a little bit of issue with that one. And he says things like, love thou neighbor. God, you don't really know this guy. Yeah, he does. He does. He knows that guy. He knows that woman that you struggle with. You got to love him. You don't have to, but you should. 
And by doing those things, by praying, by reading the word, by loving your neighbors, by accepting him as your Lord and Savior, now you're honoring him. And as a result of that, he can't lie to us. He can't. You honor me, I honor you. And that's it. And we say, well, are you a Christian? Well, sure, I go to church every Sunday. That's not the answer to the question. Do you have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ? That's the question that's being asked. You know, so many people do come to church. And there are religious systems that encourage just coming to church. And that will convince them that you are a good person. Now, the Bible refutes that. It says there is none good. No, not one. And that doesn't mean that we're defeated. It just means that there's some things in us that don't honor the Lord. Everybody here, everybody that's sitting in this room has a fault. Everybody that's sitting in this room has a bit of flesh attached to or wrapped around the spirit. Or hopefully it's the other way around. Everybody has that. So for, for you to have someone convince you that you're a good person because of what you have done or what you haven't done, don't buy it. Establish that firm, sound, true, pure relationship with Jesus. That'll get you through it. Because of his, because of his background, he was interested in that, and he wrote about these things, such as uh, Daniel and Paul and so many others did. Visions of God had similarities to the visions of God's throne in Revelation 4 and 5, where the emphasis is also on the glimpse of the throne just before judgment is released in Revelation 6 through 19. It's so important that we understand, so important that we know the word. And it doesn't mean you have to be a Bible scholar. It just means, just like we learn anything else, even in school, repetition. Spending time there. That's the only way that's going to happen. You do not get to know God through osmosis. You do not get to know the Lord by just sitting in a group that's speaking or teaching or preaching. That's not how you do it. And uh, it talks about a group of people called Bereans. And for those of us who spend enough time in this environment, you understand that. Read for yourself. Study to show yourself approved. And that way you know. And it doesn't mean that you're going to read this and now you're going to remember all these scriptures and now you can impress people with how godly you are. Oh man, he's a real godly man. He can quote scripture without reading. I don't encourage that. Actually, that's, that's really dangerous because there's a possibility that you could misquote. And he said, add nothing or take nothing out. And now by doing that, so take the time to read it. And you don't have to impress anybody about how much you know. You can impress them even more by who you know. Even more so, who knows you. So dig in. Dig into that word. All right. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 2, verse 1. So when I saw it, I fell on my face and I heard a voice of one speaking. And he said to me, son of man, Stand on your feet and I will speak to you. Stand on your feet means that I'm face down or I'm, 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 I'm prostrate. I'm down on it. So he, what he's calling here, he says, son of man is a term used over 90 times by Ezekiel to indicate his humanness. Just like us. In Revelation 1.17, John had the same reaction to seeing the glory of the Lord. Uh, uh, Revelation 1.17 states, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. There's nothing to be afraid of. So why does they fear not? He says that because he knows we're going to fear. We are going to fear. We're going to be, be not afraid because you're going to be afraid. Fear not because we're going to fear. And so he's just repeating that to us, trying to get it ingrained in us that I've got this. No matter what you're going through, no matter what your situation is, trust in him. And it's so important that we do that. 
Verse 2, then the spirit entered me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. Whatever God calls a servant to do, he gives that servant power to fulfill by his spirit. And no matter, well, God, this is really not my area of strength. That's where he wants us. I used to believe that. I was a man of science when I was younger back in 1920s. But it's just that he has a plan for you and he will equip you for that plan. He will make sure that everything that you need Notice I didn't say want. Everything that you need will be given to you to carry out that reasonable service. He will do that. It's a guarantee, my friends. He does not want us in our strength. He wants us in our weakness so that when we come through, when we succeed by our standard or maybe the world's standard, he gets the glory. What at Richard, I... I, I I mean, the way this guy grew up, I never thought he'd be standing in front of people talking about God's word. The only person that believed that was my mom. And, you know, she told me that and it's like, no, mom, I don't think so. I'm not I'm not seeing that right. not feeling that right now. But, you know, God blessed her. You know, she just kept encouraging, encouraging, encouraging. and, And the Lord knew all along and she trusted him. I didn't. I didn't because I, th- I had a much better plan than he did. Because the things that he was calling me to weren't a lot of fun when I was in my teens. You know, I want to go out. I want to have fun. I want to hang out with my friends. I want to do these things. And most of you know, everybody in this room is at least 30. So, well, maybe not. But it's just that these, these things are just something that we can't see until we're beyond that. You know, it was fun. But once I get beyond that, not so much. Not so much. It was just that me caving into the things of the world. Because, and and God forbid that some of us will be growing up now with what what the young people are subjected to. Oh, my gosh. Please. You know, and social media and and just uh, spiritual wickedness, if there's such a thing as that. But... Just, uh, just stay focused. Stay focused on what he had, and uh, he'll, he'll call through. What does God... Um, then the Spirit entered on me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet, and I heard him who spoke to me. What, does he, what is he calling you to? Are you resisting? And we're going to talk about some words here that I really, really want to focus on. Um, verse, and one of them starting in uh, verse 3. And he said to me, son of man, I am sending you to the children of Israel, to a rebellious nation that has rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me to this very day. For they are impudent and stubborn children. I am sending you to them that you shall say to them, thus says the Lord God. Now, when I read this, this reminds me of Jonah. It was the, it's a different mindset, a different heart. But he's sending this person to a place. And it doesn't say that Ezekiel is rebelling or rejecting it. He wants to go in. Jonah did not. But the point is, there are some sections or some groups out there that are these rebellious, stubborn people. He's sending you to them, well, I'm not going to go talk to them. Why not? Well, because they're anti-God, and, but the Lord is going to equip you for that. He's going to, we, us who've been called to the front line, we feel we want to do that. We want to see souls saved. And so as a result, we have to do things that we're not really comfortable with. We have to say things. We have to talk to people that we're not comfortable with. But he says, that's okay. I will prepare you for that. I will prepare you for that rebellious heart. I will prepare you for the impudent heart. And in these uh, 10 verses that are in this particular chapter, the word rebellious or rebel is mentioned seven times. Now, why is that? Have you ever noticed that when the Lord wants to get a message to us, those who do read his word, there's repetition. There's repetition. There's repetition. He wants us to get it. And they may not get it the first time, so I'm going to keep 
Throwing that out there until they get it. Understand the word rebellious. What does that mean? In this context, it's showing a desire to resist authority, control, or convention. Back in the 70s, we call it fighting the system. Rebelling against the man. And now it's just plain old rebellious. We're showing it. We see it in our prodigal sons and daughters. We see it in the rebellious spirits in our homes. We see this. And it's not pleasant. It's very difficult to deal with. Because you want to love. But you can't be your daughter or your son's pal. You can't be their BFF. You can't. It doesn't work. You have to be a parent. And that seems to be a lost art today. Parents who want to be parents. Well, I want him to like me. I want her to like me. So I'm just going to pacify their worldly wants, their worldly desires. At which point is that not acceptable? At some point, it's going to go from bicycles to motorcycles to cars. And you're going to say, I can't do that anymore. So now what happens? That rebellious child becomes even more rebellious. That prodigal that ran away from you because they didn't get their way are going to be more encouraged to do it now. You're not giving me what I want. You're not my friend. So it turns on us. The second word, impudent. In this context, marked by offensive boldness. Not showing due respect for another person. The definition not modest or immodest is now obsolete. Immodest is now obsolete. Caring about people besides ourselves is now obsolete. Having respect for others, especially authority, is now obsolete. That respect is not there anymore. And there's so many of our children, our friends, our relatives that are these types. They are marked by offensive boldness. They are bold, but it is in an offensive manner. And you've heard me say this before, and some people have taken offense. Well, I'm just outspoken. I just say what's on my mind. Is that necessarily a good thing? Not at all. But we hear this. We get to hear this way too often. You know, I'm just a bold person. Yeah, but you don't have to be offensively bold. And if you you read this, you will see that the word talks about the truth and love. And I know some of you have heard of it. And sometimes it's very challenging because you want to smash them. You want to choke somebody. So what's your end game here? So you're trying to convert someone to Christ by choking them? Doesn't work. The, the next word is stubborn. In this context, having a showing dogged determination not to change one attitude or position on something, especially in spite of good arguments or reasons to do so. Well, I know the Bible says I should do this, but I can't do it. Got a trouble with the word can't. The word can't means impossible. But the word of God says all things are possible. So which one of these camps are you going to set up your tent in? The fact that you can't do it or the fact that God says all things are possible? Now, bear in mind, it says... No weapon formed against us will prosper. But it does not say there will be no weapons formed against us. There's going to be some challenges in taking the stand for the word of God. Some of you know that even better than I do. I, I was in an environment where it was taboo to even mention that name. You don't we, we don't talk about Jesus here. This is, not a place, this is not a place for religion. Well, I'm not religious. My, what I believe is faith-based. I am religious in the sense that I, there are certain things that I do every day. Every single day I do these things. That makes me religious. That makes you religious. But being a child of God is all about faith. Not that. Well, I don't believe in God. 
until something happens that I don't like. And then I'll go to the people who do believe in them. Brother, sister, could you pray for me? Who are we praying to? It says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins, and heal their land. And the first word, if my people will humble themselves. If you're not humbling yourself and you're just praying, then who are you praying to? We know who you're praying for, but who are you praying to? If you haven't humbled yourself to understand that Jesus is God, Jesus is Lord. So if you don't, if you don't have a humble spirit, I don't know if your prayers are going beyond the ceiling. He hears you, but you can't have an effective prayer life until you truly believe in who you're praying to. So important, folks, and, and we get that messed up all the time. You know, I pray all the time, and he just doesn't, he doesn't hear my prayers. He hasn't answered my prayer. Well, you might want to consider the fact that no is an answer. You might want to consider the fact that wait is an answer. You might want to consider the fact that not now is an answer. And we determined out in the fact that he did not answer the way I wanted him to. Wait a minute, you're mixing it up. Who's God? Oh, that's what I'm thinking. God's God. And if you think that he's got to conform to you, then you might as well worship a tree. You might as well worship a rock. Or anything, any inanimate object for what it's doing. Because now if you're not trusting in him, then, you know, vanity, vanity, all is vanity. In that word, those words rebellious, impudent, and stubborn is so important that we understand that because that's what we're seeing now. And it's so challenging for all of us. It's so challenging because now the, the powers that be are, are dictating the words that we use. You know, now they're calling, if you're against sin, they're calling it hate speech. And the, the worst thing that I see, one of the worst things that I see, one of the bad things that I see is we talk about free speech. And when you get confronted by these groups, if you're not saying, use the same language that they are, then you're offensive. Wait a minute. I was always on the impression that free speech went both ways. That's right. Well, not with us, it doesn't. You don't agree with us. You're you're. You're stubborn-minded, you're, you're short-sighted, you're, you're walking in blindness and on and on and on and on because you don't agree with us. Wait a minute. Turn that around. You're not agreeing with me. Does that make you wrong? Well, that's different. It is not. But this is what... Don't, con- don't cave in, my friends. I used this example the last time and because of the environment that we're in. In something as simple as Merry Christmas or Happy Holidays, you've got to make a choice. You're going to be one of us, and you're going to say Happy Holidays. You can't say Merry Christmas in this environment. Don't cave in. Well, that's not a big deal, brother. It is a big deal. It's an area of compromise. And if you start doing that, now they're going to tell you that you can't wear certain things. You can't say certain things. Well, you can't talk about Christ on your lunch break. Don't buy it, folks. And too many of us are caving in. You know, we're, we're becoming passive. And the people that want to turn this thing in their direction are counting on us to do that. They're counting us to be passive. And so many of us have given in. Well, brother, what's the use? I, I can't fight it. Is that word can again? Do you trust in the Lord? Do you know that He's got it? No matter what it is, do you know He's got your back in whatever situation you're in? And too many of us are confined to these caves, these graves that we're in, because we're afraid to look outside because of what's going on in the world. But brother, how do we how do we get out of this? How do we escape? Just bear in mind that even today, stones are still being rolled away. Prayer, prayer, brother. 
Lord, just help me to, to get out of this grave. I can't move that big rock. I can't, you know, so I, I, can't, I can't escape. Prayer would roll that stone away. Prayer would call earthquakes, spiritual earthquakes, to move those out of your way so you can be free to go out and be about our Father's business. Well, brother, what does that mean? What does that mean? What has he asked of you that you refuse to do? What has he asked of you that you are allowing the world to, uh, to put fear into you that you don't want to do that? Well, what the Lord doesn't really understand what it means to be rejected. Uh, yeah, he does. The Lord doesn't really understand what it's like to get cast out from your family because uh, you choose to live differently than them. Yeah, he knows. He's got a really, really good idea. Well, has he ever been scorned? Yeah, yeah, he has. So he knows all these things. So there's nothing that you're going through, nothing that you've gone through, nothing that you will go through that has not been addressed in here. Well, I, I really, I don't know anybody who's in the same position as I am. Read this. Read this. I will guarantee that there's someone in these accounts who is, was, or will be going through what you're going through. Who can you relate to? Paul. Samson. Daniel, who can you relate to? Who's, that, who's in this account? Ruth? Esther? Who can you relate to? It's in there. No question about it. How about uh, Noah? I mean, I, you know, I, I'm not eloquent like, uh, you know, my brother. I, I can't really speak well. The Lord says, okay, go here and see what I did in his life. But Lord, you know, I've really messed up over the years, and I've done some things that I'm not proud of, and I know you're not proud of me either. Check out my boy, David. Lord, I got issues that I just can't shake. I know you call me not to cut my hair. I know you call me not to eat from a dead animal. I know that you call me to uh, not spend any time in the vineyard. But I got this addictive nature, and I can't fight it. Go to Judges and check out my man Samson. But Lord, I, I'm just—I don't have that that strong personality to to go out. And, and just do these things or to talk to people or, or all right how about this look into Ruth go and read Ruth and come get back to me and how she stood fast in the face of things that were not that were detrimental to her very life well I've got these, this group of friends and, and they really want to know you but, but they're, they're afraid Okay, go back and read Esther, and I'll get back to you on Tuesday. It's there, folks. There's nothing that you're going through, will go through, or have gone through that he has not addressed. Nothing. And he will roll that stone away from your grave. He will. He's promised it, and he will do it. His promises are yea and amen. So you can count on him. You can trust him. He will not let you down. And for those of us who's been, who've been walking with the Lord for a while, you can't think of one instance where he failed you. You can't. It may seem like it because you went through some hard times. You had some things happen that really broke your heart. You had some people that disappointed you. And these were important people, too. These weren't your run-of-the-mill uh, laymen. These were pastors. Deacons, elders who had badges, and they let me down. Think about this. There's nothing 
that goes on without his knowledge. Nothing. And the things that he does, if you know him, he only does the things that are for your good. So in that, even though it was a bad situation, did you learn anything that's going to prepare you for the rest of your life? God was the very first person in the recycling business. He even recycles pain, the hurt that you went through. Oh, but why did I have to go through this? There was an easier way to do it. Fathers, there's a better way. Take this cup from me. Was there an easier way? And not only that, but we don't realize as humankind, he says, I need your attention. I'm too busy, Lord. Get back to me later. All right. I need your attention. Yeah, but, uh, you know, I got other priorities right now, so I'll talk to you on Thursday. Okay, so what you're causing him to do now is ramp it up. So now he has to take the hard road. And when we learn those hard lessons, we don't soon forget. So no matter what he's done, he's, he's taking that. He's teaching you. He's teaching me. I want you to learn from this. I want you to learn from that, that fractured relationship with your, one, your friend. I want you to learn why there had to be a divorce between you and your wife, you and your husband. You had to learn that. But what good can come out of that? Just wait. And now we're back to that word. Just, I'll show you. I'll show you what I'm doing in this situation, but I need you to be patient. I need you to be, pay strict attention to what I'm teaching you. Because I'm preparing you for something that's going to be very valuable here. I'm preparing you for an opportunity to teach your friend, your family member, about something that God did in your life. How he brought you through it. You don't have to say, well, this is what I read. This is what I saw on television. This is what I heard. No, you went through it. And it's a lot more vivid. And people have a tendency to know when you know what you're talking about. They have a tendency to know if it's something that you didn't really experience this. This is just something you heard about. So now you're transferring that to me and saying, this is what I would do. He's going to take you through it, folks. He's going to take you through tragedy. He's going to take you through hard times. He's going to take you through things that you can't imagine. But what he has for you is for you. Don't compare yourself to anyone else. You are uniquely and wonderfully made. And he's going to treat you accordingly. He's going to take you through this because he wants you to learn. He wants that guy to be able to tell me, what is it like to go through a divorce? What is it like to go through the death of a child? What is it like to have someone that you've known for years who all of a sudden Turn away from the Lord. What is that like? Doesn't the word says taste and see that he is good? Yes. It says that. Yet we see these things. But he wants you to learn. You are like no one else. You're going to learn that in the way that he wants you to learn it. And he's going to grow you from that. Bear in mind there's another thing that I like to say, and I have so many examples of it in the Word. Well, the Word has so many examples of it. It says spiritual growth, spiritual growth through separation. And now there's some who, well, what does that mean? It means sometimes he has to splinter that relationship in order for both of these people, or maybe one, perhaps, to grow. I got to do it. Paul and Barnabas, man, what a team. What did he do? Adios amigo. You got to go my way. The Lord says. And he will do that. He will take away that person that you become attached to. Why would he do a thing like that? Do you realize that you can become so engrossed in a relationship that that person that you uh, is an idol? Think about it. And we don't see that. How can a person be an idol? Uh, it's not that difficult. 
Some of us can give you, give you some stories about that, how we've, we've allowed people to come in our lives, and now we're putting more trust in them than we are in our Christ. Spiritual growth through separation. He will do that if necessary. And he will cause us to really think about the things that we put our trust in. Going back a few years, um, with this thing uh, they label as COVID, the things that he showed us through that. What are you trusting in? Well, I'm trusting my bank account. Okay, boom. What are you trusting in? I'm trusting in these, these businesses to support our cause gone. What are you trusting in? I'm trusting that I can have my transportation and I can go where I want, when I want. Gone. What are you trusting in? I'm trusting that my neighbors are going to help me out whenever I get myself in a situation. Gone. Now what's your trust in? Well, everything that I trusted in is gone. That's the whole idea, my friends. I got you where I want you. I want you to trust in me. And look, we're still standing in spite of what we went through. Still standing. But are you still trusting? That's the word. Well, once I get past this crisis, I'll, I'll, I'll stop trusting him. Verse 5. As for them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that a prophet has been among them. The people of Israel, fill in the blank, the people of blank could not plead ignorance. They knew the importance of their reasonable service. The people of my house, the people of this church, the people of this country, the people of this world could not plead ignorance. Well, nobody ever taught me about the things of God. Now, somewhere it says the word is written on our hearts. It says that. Can't plead ignorance. Well, I didn't know. I didn't know there was a God. I didn't know that he loved me. I didn't know that he would save me. I didn't know any of this. So I'm going to plead ignorance. They could not plead ignorance. Verse 6, and you, son of man, Do not be afraid of them, nor be afraid of their words. Their briars and thorns are with you, and you dwell among scorpions. Not pretty. Not a good thing, my friends. If you're dwelling among scorpions, uh, things are not going well. Do not be afraid of their words or dismayed by their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse, for they are rebellious. You shall speak my words to them, whether they hear or whether they refuse. So God, why did you send me here? I sent you to plant a seed. Well, can I just hang out and water it just to make sure? I sent you to plant a seed. I get to choose who's going to water. I get to choose who's going to nourish you. Just do what he asks you to do. Honor him and he will honor you. Hmm. In this, these words, scorpions, thorns, briars, God used these figures of speech to, degra- to describe the people of Judah. Again, I'm going to leave that blank whose rejection of his word was like the barbs of thorns and stings of scorpions to Ezekiel. He wanted to get a message to these people. And he wanted to get it in a way that they may not like. Things that he's doing in our world right now, a lot of them we don't like. We don't like it. But that's what he he has to do. He wants to get our attention. He wants us to listen. He wants us to trust. He wants us to believe. And these are the things that he has to do. Rebellious house. Uh, Verse 9. Now when I looked, there was a hand stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. So he handed out 
a word to them. A scroll of a book was in it in his hand. Would he do that for Ezekiel and not for you, not for me? The answer is no. He would do the same for you. So he's giving you that scroll. He's giving you that book. He's giving you what you need to know right here. Whether you're looking at it here or digitally, he's giving you that. Trust in it. Ezekiel was to obey the Lord's command in a spiritual sense by receiving God's message so that it became an inward passion. Inward passion. Uh, a term that I've heard uh, within the last few days anyway. Well, I heard it for lo- much longer than that, but it's just been brought out. It's called social-emotional. Most of you may not be familiar with that term. Social-emotional. And what that means is, it's about, so, what are you feeling, brother? How are you feeling? Sister, how, how's you, what are you thinking? What are you feeling? Does this make you happy or does this bring you down? It's really about how you feel. That's dangerous. It's really dangerous. Uh, because we get to see people who leave here because the music is not what they want to hear. We need to hear something hotter. We need to hear something newer. We need to hear the latest artists. So we're going to go where they play our kind of music. Well, what about the word? Ah, never mind that. We just need to be entertained. And that, in my mind, that lends itself to social, emotional. It's about how I feel about things. Well, brother, the Lord is concerned about my feelings. Okay, all right. This is a discussion you need to have with him. And you might have a little different opinion, you know, by what he says, how he responds to that. It's not about our feelings, my friends. He cares, but feelings can get us in trouble. Feelings have gotten us in trouble. Feelings goes back to those things that we considered idols. Feeling goes back to that person that you thought was going to stand by your side until the Lord comes back. Feelings are about why you come here. Well, I want a feel-good message. I, I went to this church, and man, all they talk about was sin, sin, sin. I'm not a sinner, so that doesn't apply to me. Whoa, whoa, wait a minute now. I can't let that one go. <laughs> you know, yeah, bro, like it or not, you are a sinner. Well, I don't really do anything bad. Okay, we're done here. Verse 10. Then he spread it before me, and there was writing on the inside and on the outside, and written on it were lamentations and uh, and mourning and woe. Now, catch this. Scrolls were normally written on one side only. But this judgment message was so full, it required all the available space to contain the suffering and sorrow that sin had brought. The sin is so vast, so numerous, it is mentioned in chapters 2 through 32. That's a lot of sin, friends. How different is that today? Is there anything new under the sun? That's a lot of sin. Well, we usually don't write anything on the back, but we had so much to write, you know, that uh, we had to, to go to the other side. And that, to me, and I pray to you, don't feel, this, uh, don't feel defeated. It's just that there's so much going on. And when the brother was playing tonight, the song, I am overwhelmed. That's exactly what I was thinking. And it, I'm not unique in that sense. There's so many of us sitting here right now, today, tonight, struggling with some things, thinking that we can fix it. No. Last verse. Uh, Actually, two more verses, and then we're going to wrap. The first one is Zechariah 5.3. Then he said to me, this is a curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. 
Every thief shall be expelled according to this side of the scroll, and every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it. Wow, that's a lot of sin. So this side is for the, uh, the thief, and the other side is for the perjurer. Well, maybe I'm neither one of those. Speak with the Lord on that one. Last verse. Revelation 5.1. And I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne a scroll written inside and on the back. Sealed with seven seals. Inside and on the back. Double-sided. When you write a paper, term paper, and you've got to start turning the paper over and writing. That's a lot of terminology. And that's what this was like. So much. So much. And uh, uh, as they were going through this, I had this thought. It's probably not biblical, but it was that um, as they, there was just so much going on here. And, and I, I, I get weird at times. And I was thinking, I wonder if the people in Sodom and Gomorrah are looking in, looking for fresh ideas. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think we can learn something from these people. So let me check out what they're doing, and maybe we can come up with something different, something new. Sodom and Gomorrah are looking for better ideas. It's pretty sad. Heavenly Father, we're just so thankful again for this time that you've given us. And I just pray, Father, that if I've said even one word that discouraged my sister or my brother, Father, that you would strike it from my memories even now. I'm thankful for uh, the, the opportunity that, that we get uh, to teach your word, to preach your word, Father. And I've been told that it's, it's teaching if they're listening and it's preaching if they're not. So I'm just so thankful, Father, for how you blessed us well beyond measure. And I pray for everyone here, Father, and those that are in the sound of my voice that you would just continue to pour your Holy Spirit on and show them the love that you have. Give us the heart to show the love that we have for one another, Father. That's how we know your people, by the love that they have for one another. So I pray that, Father, we would not just be, it would not just be lip service, that we would live it out. And that, Father, as, uh, as we uh, prepare to, to go out, Father, I just pray that we would look at every opportunity as a mission field every opportunity for fellowship as an opportunity to encourage someone in Christ, Father. So thank you for what you've done. And I know you want to do so much more, Father. And uh, may you receive the blessing of all that we've done, all that we said here today. And may we always remember you honor those who honor you. In the name of Jesus, our soon returning King. Amen, amen, and amen. God bless you guys. Thanks for coming out.